0: I'm Amy Pruitt. I'm Lisa Dumas. I teach Ayurveda and yoga. I teach yoga. I'm a yoga therapist in training and I offer transformational coaching, but that's just part of the story. We're moms, daughters, wives, and friends. We're always learning and we've both experienced healing by what we teach. And the intention of this podcast is to offer you our favorite tools from the traditions and sciences that support us as we navigate the realities and stressors of modern life. Each week, we'll share stories, answer your questions, and talk to others who inspire us. Welcome to the Radiant Warrior Podcast. Yoga and Ayurveda to reclaim a courageous heart. It's so nice to be back to recording this episode. The Radiant Warrior Podcast has been off for almost a month, and we'll get into why in just a moment. But there's something a little bit different happening this week, and that we will all be missing my partner, Amy Pruitt. About an hour before we were set to start recording, she let me know that something had come up with her family and her energy and time were needed there. And the two of us didn't have another time that worked to record together before our episode was set to be posted. So for today, we decided that instead of postponing for another week, we wanted to keep our word We had put it out there that it was coming back on June 14th. We wanted to keep that word and have me just record it this week. And that's really the beauty of a partnership. When something comes up for one, another can step in. So I'll miss her today. I'll miss having a conversation with her, but I look forward to having a conversation with you. The big reason that we have stepped away from the podcast for a few weeks is because of the fullness of our lives lately And it was very interesting that both Amy and I were busy creating long thought about dreams for Amy that has been finally opening up her own yoga space in Columbus, Ohio. And I know that that is going so well. It's called Radiant Yoga and Wellness. And I'm so looking forward to going and seeing the space for myself and teaching in the space in September. And I know that she's busy teaching and busy with everything that goes into taking over a business, but I know that it's very rewarding, even though her already busy life has become busier. So we'll hear more about that from Amy next week. And for me, the dream that came to fruition was being able to take a group, a yoga retreat to Europe and to France, in fact, about an hour and a half away from Bordeaux in the south of France. And I did that for a week and then took the opportunity to finally go traveling through France and Italy. Travel has been also a dream that I've held close to my heart for many years. And if you've been a listener of this podcast, you know that the disordered anxiety and a lot of the irrational fears that guided my life for so long kept me from traveling, especially being in an airplane. For a long time, I would only go places where I could drive to. And now that that fear is in the past for me, thankfully, I have a longing to see the world and have new experiences. So I definitely bit off a lot when it came to this trip. Because since we were there, we wanted to see as much as possible. So I'm gonna share a little bit about that with you. And then Amy and I had planned to share what we've learned from making a couple of dreams come true. This is part of the human experience. We have goals and we have passions and we take steps to make them happen, and sometimes successfully and sometimes not so much. But the point is, that we're always learning. The point is that it is about the journey. It's not about the destination. And we did come to some common learnings about the anatomy of making a dream come true. So I'm going to share that with you in this episode as well. But first, some travel stories. It was in mid-May that my mom and my dad and I traveled to Bordeaux together first, because my mom and my dad, when I organized this retreat, they immediately said, well, we're going. Now, my mom has had a yoga practice in her life. In fact, she was the one who took me to my first class when I was in my early 20s, and it didn't stick for me for a couple of reasons. One, I didn't think it was enough of a workout, and I was in the time of my life when Moving my body was simply to make my body look a certain way, and also it made me feel emotional. I felt teary after one of the classes that I went to, and at that time in my life, I wasn't willing to feel uncomfortable emotions. My belief was, as many of ours are, that the uncomfortable emotions are the emotions that you don't want to be experiencing, and that means that something is. Very wrong that you have to be happy all the time. So that's why I resisted yoga. But it was my mom who opened that door for me and really planted a seed. But as for my dad, this entire path that I've been on has been very foreign for him. Yoga wasn't something that he had a lot of understanding or comfort around. And sometimes when I would share stories about this journey, you know, I could tell that. They seemed a little bit strange to him, and and maybe i'm I'm just projecting, but that was one of the stories that I had. But the longer that I have been committed to yoga and meditation and, and this life of mindfulness and contemplation, the more he's also seen how much this has changed me and how much more even of mind and and calm and joyful i. Seem and he makes comments about that all the time. So, when he decided that they were going to be accompanying me on this retreat, he allowed me to offer him a practice, and right away, he noticed a difference. My parents have always been active, they were epic marathon runners when they were younger. I think they've each ran 14. My, my mom even placed in a marathon, but they were running in the days where you just put on your shoes, you went out and you ran and there wasn't a lot of cross training. So he definitely has some stiffness and some challenges in the hip and the low back. And now he knows the power of stretching, but the sequence that I was able to give him that targeted specifically what's going on for him based on um, yoga therapy that's it's been really eye-opening for him. And in fact, at the retreat, at this gorgeous 17th century chateau south of France, which turned out to be even lovelier than the pictures, I was so happy with how it went. Um, he absolutely loved the experience of the yoga. And whenever I lead a retreat, you know, it's a different experience each time based on the group that comes and you start to get a sense as to what would be needed, how you can be most useful, how you can serve best to the group as you are present with them. And as you notice the kind of conversations that are happening and the personalities that are there, this group became like family. And I don't know if that was because it was almost like my parents became, you know, the funny aunt and uncle with the group. But we had all different ages come to this retreat from almost 80 um, to late 30s, early 40s, just an amazing group. But people got so close. You know, sometimes on a retreat, it's challenging to eat with the same people every single meal. And I noticed that people want some quiet time and they want some opportunities to eat on their own. But this one, you know, people really got the chance to know one another and to get to know people that they normally wouldn't in their day-to-day life. So because of that, on our closing night, I was able to offer, It was sort of a closing ceremony that celebrated that. So we did a few things, but something that we did is I had everybody talk about what they appreciated about the person sitting to their left. And it was so gratifying to me to see my dad sitting cross-legged in a circle on a bolster talking about his feelings. And not only that, afterwards saying that that was just his favorite part being able to express appreciation for the person on his left and listening to everybody else talk about what they appreciated about each other. It was a beautiful closing to a very wonderful week that I was so grateful to have the opportunity to to do to go and spend time in such a wonderful place. The south of France is gorgeous. I honestly kept becoming overwhelmed by the beauty that was around us. The chateau was set in the French countryside, and we rented bikes for a couple of days. And being able to cycle through the French countryside, it was not lost on me how special that was. And the beauty that surrounded me, it, it truly did overwhelm me at times. I felt I spent a lot of time on that week feeling just so grateful and so incredibly overwhelmed. And then that was a week-long retreat, and my husband came and met me on the last day. He also flew into Bordeaux and rented a car and came to pick me up. And our plan was, after looking at the map of France, that we were going to continue to drive across the south of France towards the east, and eventually cross the border into Italy, where we would tour Tuscany, and then see Florence, Venice, and then finally fly from Venice back to Paris. So you see what I'm saying? We had a very ambitious schedule and journey ahead of us, but this is my first opportunity to see that part of the world, and we both wanted to see as much as we could. So I planned it so that we were staying in some places for just one night and other places for two nights. We had two and a half weeks to play with, So that was the span of time that we had the experience. And the experience was so incredible for my head and for my heart. Very heart expanding to see how a different culture lives life and to see something new and be present with that. Travel has become so important to me because it opens me up to new perspective and it is very heart opening having the opportunity to, in person, see these iconic historic sites like the Leaning Tower of Pisa, the Duomo in Florence, St. Mark's Basilica in Venice, the Eiffel Tower in Paris, those moments for me were incredibly heart-expanding because it's overwhelming and you're also witnessing this incredible feat of human ingenuity and human creativity. And it's been shown that when we are exposed to that, whether it be a beautiful piece of music or a poem or a gorgeous meal or a feat of human potential, we feel expansive. And if there was a goal of yoga or meditation, this is where we're heading to. We're heading to the core of who we are. And we've talked a lot about these concepts that come from yoga and Ayurveda here on the Radiant Warrior. And yoga and Ayurveda perceive the human body as multi-layered. We have these koshas and at the heart of the kosha, it's Anandamaya kosha, this sense of our true nature, the bliss body, the joy body, this peaceful presence within the witness. And The direct way in is when we have these moments of presence, when we are experiencing unbelievable beauty. I'm so grateful to say that two and a half weeks was spent with the intention of experiencing that and then experiencing that. So I feel very privileged and lucky to have had that experience. For the head and the heart, for my relationship, it, it, it was unmatched. For the systems of my body, and this is where I'll also talk about the koshas and then the doshas, Ayurveda views us as as containing three constitutions. We talk about this a lot, vata, pitta, and kapha. And the vata dosha is something that is out of balance in most of us just based on the lives that we lead, especially here in the West, especially in our busy culture where it's hard for us to listen to our bodies. It's hard for us to take the time to rest, to eat on schedule. You know, vata is related to air and ether. And when it's out of balance, this is when we feel really scattered and turbulent in the mind. This is when we feel ungrounded. This is when we feel anxious. And so you can understand why this is often unbalanced in us. And Ayurveda comes with practices that help us to feel more grounded and to balance this dosha. And one thing that can really kick the vata dosha out of balance is travel. And the kind of travel that I did, most especially. And I think I knew that going in, but just the opportunity to see everything that I saw. I was willing to take that risk. During the retreat, the way it was set up was helpful for all of us because we had this incredible chef that was creating a mostly vegetarian menu for us. And we were eating at the same times every day. And that's a practice that actually balances vata. Vata likes schedules, waking up at the same time, eating at the same time, eating foods that are grounding and warm and nourishing, resting when you're tired and going to bed at the same time. So at the retreat, I felt very balanced. But then afterwards, we were sleeping in so many different beds because we were one night here and then two nights there. We're seeing so many towns and villages. Our bodies were literally on the move, both in a car and and walking and in trains and planes for two and a half weeks. So it got more challenging. And I was thankful that I do have the practices, but also honestly, a lot of them fell away because we wanted to get up in the morning and get going. I wasn't taking a bunch of time to do long practices we for sure can do small mini versions of practices that help to ground us and help to keep us present and balance us just like taking those few deep breaths breathing deeply throughout the day having moments of presence and setting intention in the morning you know stretching a little bit when i could but for the most part a lot of that fell away and i really felt like i was just living my mindfulness practice because I was so incredibly engaged and very intentional about being present and being so grateful for each and every experience and each and every day that we had. But at the end of our vacation, by the time we got to Paris, my digestive system had had enough because there is a whole... Different kind of food that you are experiencing. And at home, we are lucky and privileged enough to be able to eat lots of fruits and vegetables. And sometimes when we're traveling, it's not as easy. And I will admit to you that I wanted to eat like I was living in France. I wanted to eat like I was living in Italy. And I tried hard not to overdo it. But I have the humility to say that when it comes to food, I sometimes can when something is so delicious and things were so delicious. And so by the time we were in Paris, my system was pretty unbalanced, but my heart was still so full and I was still so grateful. But it was nice to come back home and start to be able to give myself the structure To balance myself back out, so there was things that I did while I traveled that supported myself, and there were things that I didn't do and lessons that I learned. So we're going to offer you a podcast this summer around how to keep Vata from moving too far out of balance when you're traveling this summer, because summer is a time when our schedules can go out the window a little bit. Those of us who have kids. Uh, things become a little looser there. We're not waking up at the same time. We're maybe not eating at the same time. Here where I live in Vancouver, Canada, it can be light until 1030 at night, so we can eat a little bit later. So there's some things that we can do that that don't take away from our joy and the freedom that comes with travel as well. You know, the The thing that was different that I did this time because of what I've learned over the past decade is that I was offering myself a lot of self-compassion. I wasn't getting hung up in the shame or the guilt of not eating the way that I do normally. In fact, I was very inspired by the culture around me in France and Italy and how much attention is placed on the preparation of the meal and the meal as an event, a time to sit with people that you love and enjoy each other and truly enjoy and savor what it is that you are eating. There's not a rush about the food coming to the table immediately so that they can get you out of the restaurant and seat another table. Time and attention is paid for you to savor and enjoy. And you just look around both at restaurants and at city parks, where I was able to visit in France and Italy, and you don't see people on their phones while they're eating. You see people enjoying, and you see people taking the time to be with one another. There's a lot of attention paid to social time and to enjoying each other. So I took a cue from that. And instead of wanting lunch to be over so that we could go and see the next thing, instead of being in the future in my mind about everything that was coming up, I did the best I could at being very present and tasting everything and chewing everything and eating more slowly because I don't know about you but we tend to eat quite quickly because it's all about what's next and travel gives us the opportunity to sink into what's now and that's a lesson that every time I travel I take that with me afterwards and I continue to answer the question of what's next with what's now. But being back home has also been beautiful. And getting back into a schedule has been very supportive for my body. And going back into acupuncture for an opportunity to continue to be balanced and eating food that I know supports me has felt really good. And something that I've been thinking about is, but still on the topic of food, one thing that I'm working on is to make sure that I am choosing love over fear when it comes to food. Throughout these episodes, the topic of food has come up, and I've shared that the amount of information that we have about what we should eat and what we shouldn't, and foods that are bad, and foods that cause this, and foods that are good, it really gets into my mind. And sometimes when it comes to eating, I can feel that I'm making my choices based on fear. And that's a big practice for both Amy and I is constantly thinking about choosing love over fear. And the wonderful acupuncturist that I go to here in Vancouver, Danielle, who I'm going to have on the show, she reminded me just the other day to come from love and making the choices that serve not just the body, but also the heart and nourish us on different levels. And I could see that that's what was happening in the cultures that I observed in France and Italy. And the other piece that I've been thinking about, and this is what Amy and I had planned to share with you today, is what goes into what we both just went through? What goes into manifesting a goal? And for each of us, it was similar. So we thought we'd share this with you. So the way that the retreat came to be for me was actually through social media. You know, social media, as we all know, has its negative aspects and it has its positive aspects as well. I've connected with so many wonderful people through Instagram, primarily, that's where I spend most of my time. I enjoy posting things to Instagram and I enjoy being inspired by the feed that I've curated there. I think almost two and a half years ago or so, the owner of the Chateau, they've been hosting yoga retreats for a few years. She reached out to me because of that Instagram account and she was just reaching out to yoga teachers that she was resonating with. So when I got her email, the first step really is I was open to that uh, I immediately could have said, oh, no, you know, that's that just sounds like too much to bite off because a lot goes into planning and creating a retreat and a lot goes into creating the awareness about it. And it takes a lot of faith to know that people will come with you and and share that time with you. So the first thing that Amy and I both noticed about making these specific dreams come true is that we were open to opportunities when they came to us as opposed to letting our self-doubt take over. What that looked like for me is that in the moment that I got the email, I allowed myself to be interested and I allowed myself to think of the possibilities. Because for those of us who have Instagram and Facebook accounts. You know, sometimes we are contacted by people and you're not immediately thinking that you might respond or there might be a connection there. And so of course I did my due diligence and I looked into the Chateau and the other teachers that had offered there. And it was clearly the real deal and a beautiful place and a wonderful possibility. So I allowed myself to be open And then the next step is setting an intention. I knew in my heart that I would do it. I didn't think that at the time that I received the email, it was the right time. I had just recently moved back to the city I live in now. I had just recently started teaching public classes here. And so I didn't feel that there was the community in order to speak to until the students at the studios that I teach at had an opportunity to get to know me a little bit more. So I set an intention, I'm going to do this. This is going to happen. I could visualize it. I could see myself doing it, but I just knew that doing it then would feel forced and I wasn't 100% vibing to do it in that moment. However, setting an intention is step number two. And then keeping the attention flowing towards that intention rather than letting it fade away we all experience inspirations throughout our lives. Oh, that's something that I could do, or I could write that book, or I could create that. I could, I could paint that picture. And some of these inspirations move into fruition and some of them fall away for lots of different reasons. But a big reason is that we don't believe in ourselves enough. So if there's something that you have set an intention on, Remember that energy goes where attention goes. And so every now and then make sure that you're placing a little bit of attention onto that intention, whether that be for me doing some research now and again, looking at the website, looking at pictures, visualizing what it would be like, talking about it to different students that I thought would be interested in it and spending time imagining what it would be like. So I was placing energy on it even before I made the final decision about when I was going to offer that retreat. Next, asking for help. One reason that the retreat was as successful and loved as it was is because of the help that I received from a travel advisor. She's a part of the community that my emails go out to. And when I decided that I was going to offer this retreat in France, when I decided what excursions were going to be included, when I had added it to my website, when I had sent it out to my community... She was one of the first emails that I got saying, you know, there's so much that goes into planning this and if you wanted help so that somebody was booking flights, so that somebody was perhaps creating a first stop so that people could spend a couple of days in Bordeaux, so that you make sure that people have their travel insurance, if you want that help, I would be happy to help you. And this happened to be a travel advisor who's been doing this for almost 30 years. She had been at one of the retreats that I offered in the Okanagan British. Columbia, so she knew my work. And it's hard for me to accept help, or it has been in the past. And not because I want to control every aspect, but because if I'm going to be completely honest in the past, it's because I don't want to seem like I don't know what I'm doing. And now I acknowledge there is so much that I could use help with. There is so much that I don't know. And having the partnership of Carol was instrumental in making the retreat what it was. I'm so happy that I agreed to allow her to assist me, and it was gorgeous. We really were able to assist each other completely. The strengths that I have, she didn't, and the strengths that she has, I didn't have them. So it was a perfect balance. And in fact, it was so wonderful working together that we are absolutely planning our next one next spring, and it's going to be in Tuscany because this trip showed me that so far, my favorite parts of this planet are the city that I live in, Vancouver, BC. I'm certainly lucky in that I don't have a life that I feel like I want to take a vacation from. It's very beautiful here but the countryside in Tuscany is overwhelmingly gorgeous. And when I was there, I thought, oh, it would be so wonderful to bring a group here and experience yoga and meditation and practices um, and a retreat here in this land. So she and I are working on that right now. Stay tuned for that because the France retreat happily sold out in about two weeks. So I think we'll be announcing this in July. Asking for help, a huge part. Of making something happen. And in fact, that's one of the reasons that I'm recording this episode on my own this week, because Amy reached out to me to ask for help. I think it's a real sign of maturity and it also is very heart opening. It's another way that we can sink into that Anandamaya Kosha, the heart of who we are. Finding humility, realizing that we need support in our lives, with something that we might be creating or something that we might need to give up and surrendering and asking for help, either from somebody in your life or from something else, something bigger than you, whatever your beliefs might be. That is another way to connect into our center, asking for help. So a big part of manifesting dreams and goals. And then when you do decide that you're going for it, doing it from a place of worthiness. We'll all have those little voices or loud voices that tell us all the reasons that we're going to fail and all the reasons why we shouldn't do it. I'll admit that when I was mulling over whether or not I was going to offer the retreat or not, one of the thoughts that occurred to me is, who are you? to offer a retreat in France. I was looking into the other teachers who had taught there before me, and a lot of them are world-renowned. Now, I know that the answer to that question is, well, who am I not to offer that retreat? But that concern, that voice was loud enough that I knew I didn't want to create from that place, which is another reason that I took pause. And I do subscribe to the concept behind the law of attraction in this area. I believe that when we are creating something that it's important to get ourselves into a place of gratefulness and appreciation, happiness, and especially worthiness. When we're creating from that place, it just seems to me that we're better able to attract rather than pressing send on an idea from a place of who am I to put this out there? Who am I to post this on social media? I think if we have that energy around our offerings, then we might just prove ourselves right. But if we come from a place of full deservability, then I do think we have a better chance of better results. We have to come up with the discernment. And the techniques in order to question those thoughts. So we understand the difference between negative self-talk and limiting beliefs, and then any sort of voice that might be urging us to just do our homework or to take a pause or to ask for help, doing a practice and doing the work so that whenever you're spending time working on your goal or planning your goal, that you're doing it from a place of deservability deserving to have this dream come true, deserving to have this experience. And then one of the steps is just do it. Notice if you find yourself procrastinating and cleaning the house and doing every task possible except for making this dream or goal come true, learn to say no to yourself and just do it. Put the head down, put one foot in front of the other and allow yourself to take a step In the direction of your goal every single day before you do something else. And then finally, the last step is to acknowledge that you did it and to celebrate. I took so many moments on my own during the retreat just to look around at the chateau and the grounds and the participants and feel unbelievably grateful for the opportunity, for the path so far that has allowed me to have the strengths in order to hold space for a group like this and to love doing it and to know where I need support and where I need help and to feel good about myself, not just to move on to the next thing, not to succumb to what I could have done or the places where it was lacking, but acknowledge that I did it. And then yes, there's always learnings and no matter how far you travel, wherever you go, there you are. I still met myself and my own limitations several times during the retreat. So to go over the anatomy of a dream, the anatomy of a dream come true one more time for you based on what I learned and I look forward to speaking to Amy about this next week. Be open, set an intention, keep your attention on that intention from time to time so energy grows there. Ask for help, do it from a place of worthiness. Know that you deserve that dream, that goal. Just do it and then celebrate. Celebrate that you have done it or celebrate what you have learned by going through the process. Because whether it be travel, Whether it be making plans and taking steps to manifest something in your life, it is not about that destination, it's about the journey. Thank you so much for listening this week to just me, definitely out of my comfort zone, but my pleasure to help my dear friend and colleague Amy. We have a lot of wonderful episodes planned for you and a lot of really exciting guests coming up in the next few months. So we hope that you'll join us. We hope that you'll share these episodes with others. We hope that you'll subscribe and rate us well and leave us a review because it all really helps in this labor of love that we are offering yoga and Ayurveda to help us reclaim our courageous hearts. So nice to share with you see you next time thank you for listening to the radiant warrior podcast if you found it valuable please leave us a positive review to help others find it and please check out the radiant warrior podcast on instagram and facebook to leave us your questions and find out where you can come and practice with us next